You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Restored, where we're taking a look at what happens when the kingdom comes close. Taylor, you, you, you're right there. What, you're trying to wave something away from you? What? I had a drug test. I know you. I, <laughs> I didn't have enough hair. The girl was cutting I know that. Yeah. I, I know your story. Okay. I know. Yeah, I know. You have to have again. <laughs> 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 yes, if... if, if uh, if you want an interesting story this morning, go ask Taylor about his drug test this week. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. Um, this week, this week, Halloween, Halloween this week, and so I want to give you a chance to uh, give you a chance to brag either on yourself or somebody else. Uh, who, who here, who here can tell a great? ghost story who can tell i'm not asking you to tell one but taylor you, t- taylor can tell a great gate he, he hate his voice <laughs> i really hate it when you open your mouth but you tell a great t- ghost story so Jer- i'm not asking for the ghost story but you can tell you you can tell a good one you can tell a good one okay yeah again if you want a good ghost story you can see jared afterwards um uh anybody else can tell a good ghost story anybody anybody anybody? what goes into what goes into what is the requirement of a good ghost story do what presence all right your your presence your stage presence type of type of thing yeah yeah, the way that you do it, you gotta have the you gotta have the light. Yeah, you gotta have the light up underneath your chin, right? Yeah, something, uh, something, something like like this, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, what, Lydia? What? What? Based on real events, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, any, what what else goes into a good ghost story? Good scary person, right? Good scary person. Anything else? Anything else? Who like like with the ghost stories? Who when 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 one of those movies come comes out? Like there was one here recently that came out. Like who runs off and goes and sees those movies? Like the the yeah yeah right yeah just two of us just two of us in here. Like I don't I don't I I haven't seen Scream. I haven't I mean any of those. I haven't, yeah, no, 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 prefer, prefer, yeah, no. Uh, so good ghost story, good ghost story. And in, in, in all of this, what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, it's got to have a credible person. It's got to have a credible plot line, good, credible storyline. Credibility goes into a good ghost story or even a good story. I don't, I don't tell good ghost stories. One, I, you know, I don't, I don't really go for that genre. One, I'm not a great storyteller uh, either my, my, myself. And so credibility goes into a great ghost story or a great story period. We're in this series. I think this is the third week in uh, uh, called Restored, where where we're taking a look at the miracles of Jesus. And we've picked out six throughout this week to preach on Sundays. I've got got three other ones that I'm preaching via podcast, but our reading plan is taking a look at all the miracles of Jesus and and how he restores life through these miracles. And, and, And today we're taking a look at restored credibility. Credibility is a part of life. All of us want good credibility. What credibility is, quite simply, is just the ability to be believed. The ability to be believed. So a broken credibility is is having a life that people aren't able to be believed. That people just can't believe you. 
I think that everybody here, everybody here would say, man, I want to be a credible person. Even some people kind of on the outside kind of give off this vibe that they really don't care. Something in them wants to be credible. And that is a part of our life that we want to be able to be believed. The story this morning, the miracle this morning is actually kind of kind of fitting that we're doing this on, on Halloween. We actually sw- swapped up stories this week and, 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 and stuff, but uh, it actually is fitting that, that the Halloween weekend we're reading the story because this is really kind of a, a biblical ghost story. Not that it's, ba- I mean, it's a, it's a factual story. It's not a, it's, it's not a myth. It's not something somebody made up, but it's something straight out of uh, like Blair Witch Project or something. This thing is, is is a ghost story and it fits and and this guy this guy we see this guy in this story just lack complete credibility he had broken credibility but we also see Jesus restored but also in this story we see people try to give false help and maybe for some of you that stepped away from the church for a while or have never been in church really maybe some of that false help will actually resonate with you that some people tried to help but mm, kind of fell short so we're going to be mark chapter five starting at verse one you follow along hardbound bible on the screen we'll throw the verses on the screen um also the the bible app on your smartphone or tablet we encourage you to download that and, and utilize that in your in your uh daily devotionals as well every translation almost every language you can you can imagine uh in that app we put an event in there and you can keep notes and stuff uh straight from from that event there's also a connect with god sheet somewhere around you to kind of get the key points that we're trying to trying to drive home so mark chapter 5 verse 1 so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the uh, Gerenices. They. Who are they? Well, Jesus and his disciples. Thirteen people. And, and, and they came across to the Sea of Galilee. On the west side of the Sea of Galilee was the region or the, uh, of Judah. And on the east side was actually a, a region called the Decapolis. It was ten cities. And it was actually a Gentile region. And we'll see some of the evidence of that here in just a moment. But, 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 but they being Jesus and his disciples. But this wasn't just some ordinary boat ride across the lake. As they got in their boat at sundown and started to cross the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee was known for, 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 their, for its storms that would just pop up out of nowhere. Now remember, four of the 12 disciples were, were, were fishermen, professional fishermen. They did the boating thing as not a hobby, but as a way of life. And they get stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in this storm. It is torrential downpours. The, the, the waves are crashing. The wind is blowing. And these four professional boaters can't do anything. The, the, uh, the 12 of them are going nuts because of this, because of this storm. Wait a minute. Why did you say 12? There's 13 in the boat. Well, one guy wasn't going nuts. He was actually asleep. Jesus, asleep, in the middle of the storm, sacked out. The guys are like, Jesus, do you not care that we're going to die, that we're going to drown in this storm? Remember, four of them are professional boaters. Jesus, do you not care that we're going to drown? Jesus wakes up. He's like, 
Where's your faith? You think that's the way I'm going to go? And I'm with you? And I think, I'm, probably because this is how I am when I get woken up from a nap, I would probably venture to say that Jesus was a little bit annoyed. He's probably like, you boys just shut up. You just shut up. Peace to all of you. Can I go back to sleep now? And so all of this occurs, all of this occurs. The disciples have already wet themselves. I mean, not, not because of the rain. They're already a little on edge. And they get across the sea. And they get to this region that, that they probably are questioning why they're even there. Jesus, why, we're Jews, bro. Don't you know we're Jews? We don't go to this region. We don't know these people. We don't go to this side of the lake. We don't go over here. Now they're a little bit on edge. And the sun maybe is just starting to peak over the horizon. So all they can really kind of make out is shadows. And this happens. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Not, not a cemetery as in, as, in, as in gravestone cemetery. Not our cemetery. This man lived among the burial caves. Rock caves. Water what happens when, when, when sound goes off of rock? It bounces. What happens when sound goes out over water? It amplifies. These guys are already freaked out. Now we've got a demon-possessed man. At dawn. Barely enough light to see. The man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put in the chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So as they're coming and, and, and their boat's about ready to land across the sea, they're hearing, Oh! Probably a couple of them more than wet themselves. They're already on edge. They don't think they're supposed to be there. And Jesus gets out of the boat. We didn't sign up for this, did we? What's going on? And all that howling is bouncing off the caves. Probably sounded like there was multiple guys there. And then when it came out over the water, it amplified, and, 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 and the, the, the sound spread out. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him. I can just imagine the 12 disciples behind Jesus going, ha, 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 right? It's kind of like that, that, that new scary commercial, like uh, it's a car commercial, and, you know, four co-eds or whatever, and they're like, what do we do now? And like, one of them's like, let's get in the car and leave. And they're like, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws, right? Yeah, right? 
These are, these, the disciples are probably like, let's get in the boat and leave. Jesus is like, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. Yeah, like, the guy's like, what are we doing? With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you. It's, that's an interesting phrase by a demon, right? In the name of God, I beg you. Don't torment me. Now, this is, this is kind of funny too, right? The demon, the demon-possessed man, the demon or the demons inside the man is like, Jesus, don't torment me. What are you doing right now to this man? Like, you don't want me to torment you, but what are you doing to this guy? For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are so many inside of this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs. The spirits begged. All right, so the disciples are like, we're not supposed to be here. There's a bunch of pigs right there. We're not supposed to be here. Like, what's going on? We're all towering behind Jesus. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, 2,000, that's a lot of pigs, right? <clears throat> to put in a little bit of perspective, I Googled this. You can Google anything. You can, you can Google this. The price of pigs, okay? Price of pigs. So uh, uh, <clears throat> upon average, what, what, what I can't, you know, per pound, what you'd pay per pound for a pig and, and how, you know, kind of an average pig size, you know, about $60,000 just jumped off a cliff. Who here would like to make that this year? That'd pretty much triple my salary, okay? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 60 grand just jumped off a cliff. <laughs> the herdsmen, now imagine this. Imagine, you're just minding your own business. It's right before, right before dawn, you're just herding a bunch of pigs. You look up, there's this boat coming across the water. And you see 13 guys get out of the boat. One guy and 12 ducking down behind him. And you're like, hey, hey, Fred, 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 ah, what's, what's this? This ought to be good. Like, naked crazy man is going to rip into these. Yeah, this is, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You got five bucks, let's bet. Yeah, let's see what's going to happen here. And as they watch this unfold, like they hear a, a shriek, and then they hear a whooshing sound, and then they turn around, their pigs are going off a cliff. And now they need to change something. These herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Now, Mark doesn't say this earlier. Now, he implies it. Matthew or Luke or both of them talk about how this dude's naked. I mean, he's, he's, he's shrieking. He's among the tombs. He's cutting himself. He's naked. I mean, like this... Yeah. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus 
Uh, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. This man had broken credibility. He had no credibility, right? I mean, he's demon-possessed, he's naked, he shrieks, he cuts himself. I mean, no credibility. No credibility amongst the townspeople. But even as I see it in some of y'all's faces, you, you almost start to feel sorry for this guy. See, we see a lot of stuff about credibility in this, in this story. First of all, how broken credibility occurs. See, this is actually kind of a somewhat frightening sermon to, to preach because we've all broken our credibility one way or another. And, and to be up here talking about credibility, even among people that, that, that maybe I've done something to, to break your credibility or the, your view of my credibility, I mean, it's kind of a frightening sermon to even preach because we've all been there. We've all broke, had our credibility, our ability to be, be believed broken. The number one thing that breaks our credibility are the, are the demons inside of us. Now, Yes, I, I, I use demons now here more figuratively than literal, okay? Because, you know, in our society, demon possession is usually reserved for movies, right? And, you know, I'm not going to go into why or what, what not, can it still happen, or what's really going on with this guy, etc. But we do, I mean, we still have a phrase for it, right? The demons that torment us. And we all have something that torments us or some things that torment us. And it's, it's that that brings us our broken credibility. That, 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 that when that demon uh, rears its ugly head, that, that it breaks our ability to be believed. And we're all, we've all been there. Many of us are there, that we struggle against this. It's part of life. But you know what? This broken, these demons, you know what they do? They make us do stuff we wouldn't normally do otherwise. I mean, kind of imagine this guy. I mean, he, I, I would venture to say he wasn't always demon-possessed. He probably lived a pretty normal life. Wife, kids. He's probably had some sort of craft or trade in the town. He lived a normal life. And then, then these demons came and they took over and, and, and it made him do things that, that otherwise he would never do. Like he wouldn't go around naked. He wouldn't cut himself. He wouldn't live among the tombs. He wouldn't shriek and yell. These demons make us do things that we normally wouldn't do. We've all been there. Like stuff in the same moment and stuff like here on Sunday morning, right? That we thought, why would I ever do that? But when, boom, when the, when the demons take over, we find ourselves doing stuff that we wouldn't normally do. And there's nothing new underneath the sun. I, I am underneath no um, assumption that there's probably somebody here, even among this crowd, that's dealt with cutting. 
There's nothing new underneath the sun. This guy 2,000 years ago dealt with it. And 2,000 years before that, we see a story in the Bible of people dealing with it. I mean, that wouldn't be something that in a, in a sane moment we'd say, yeah, sign me up. But, but we, we, in that moment, we have so much hurt and so much pain over what torments us that, that we have no other release. Some of you um, <clears throat> know us. We, we watch Blacklist on, on, on Mondays. and One of the characters, one of the key characters now it kind of shows this, that one of the characters are dealing with, with prescription drug addiction. Something that he wouldn't normally do, but, but because, because he has demons that are tormenting him, that he's, he's found himself in this prescription drug addiction. And this is one of the biggies today, right? Stuff that we wouldn't normally do, but because of the demons that torment us, we, we, we feel like there's no other way out. And what happens? We lose our identity. When Jesus asked, what's your name? His identity was his demons. And some of you, that's all too familiar, that that you only view yourself as the demons that torment you, and other people only view you as the demons that, that torment you. I'm just fill in the blank. He's just fill in the blank. She's just fill in the blank. And begin to lose your identity because of what torments you. And it breaks all credibility, right? You, you, you can't be believed because of, because of what torments you, because of the things that you do that you don't want to do. But in a, in a same moment, you think, why do I do these? But, but they, for, they, 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 just something inside of you is just forcing you. This breaks your credibility. But then there's people that come alongside that, that say they want to give help. And we see this in the townspeople. They want to give, give help. Or they act like they want to give help. But false help, false help dehumanizes. Right? I'm a, I'm a referee. I know being dehuman better than anybody else because referees in coaches and players' eyes are not human. You can say and do anything to them because they're not human. They don't have a family. They don't go home and have a family. They don't have a career. They don't have all this stuff. They, they are just somebody to yell at. Make this personal. Last person that cut you off in traffic, were they human? Because we can say and do anything to somebody that's less than human, can't we? When we dehumanize somebody, we can do anything to them. We don't care about what they're caught in. We don't care about what is tormenting them. We just want to chain them up. In the name of helping them, right? 
If we chain him up, he's not going to be able to hurt himself. But really, it's just to help ourselves. Because he's causing problems in our community. I mean, come on, come on, come on. This isn't something you put on a chamber brochure, right? Come see our nice little quaint downtown shops. Come see our lovely lakeside community. Come see our naked, crazy, demon-possessed man. It's not something we put on a, on a, on a travel brochure or a chamber of commerce brochure, is it? I mean, we need to take care of this guy. We need to chain him up in order to help him not hurt himself. And those of you that have struggled with church, you're all too familiar with being chained up by a church. But we, we don't talk about our demons here. We don't talk about what torments us here. We're supposed to put on a nice, lovely-looking face and not talk about what causes us torment here. But you're not supposed to do that. You're all too familiar with, with churches that try to chain you because they're trying to help you, but in essence, they're really just looking out for their own image. And what always happens, what always happens, chaining doesn't work, right? Chaining never helps anybody. Chaining never helps somebody stop doing what they're doing. Chaining never helps the torment. Go away. What happens? You push them out. Push them out. Hey, we can't have this guy in town. It's hurting business. We're becoming known as the demon possessed community. I know, I know, I know, I know. Nobody wants to visit the tombs. I mean, who wants to go out there? Let's put him out there. Push him to the side. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Maybe some of you have experienced that too. The chaining didn't work. You came, you showed up thinking maybe Jesus had something different. But then at the end of the day, the chaining didn't work, so get pushed off to the side. And you know what? Ultimately, ultimately what they're looking for is that they want to pursue their own comfort and safety. And Quite frankly, money. It's bad for business. Jesus was bad for business. $60,000 worth of pigs just ran down the cliff. It's bad for business. This guy screaming and torment. It's bad for business. Life's not safe anymore. You can't trust him with my kids, right? Life's not safe. 
He makes us uncomfortable. See, Jesus in doing this, like, he didn't have to listen to demons, right? <laughs> this is obvious by Jesus. When you re read the life of Jesus, he really doesn't, doesn't listen to what demons have to say. So he could have done anything with this legion of demons. He didn't have to, have to do what they suggested he do. I think he was poking right at their heart. You're not interested in helping this guy. You're just interested in your comfort and your safety. And they proved it, right? They begged Jesus to leave them. Begged him. But this isn't how Jesus treated this man, was it? He restored this guy's life. He restored this guy's credibility. How do you do it? That's pretty simple. I think, I think we have a template for, for being able to restore people's credibility and, 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 and see them, see them have the demons that are inside of them taken away. First, he talked to him and then listened to him, right? You don't have to listen to a guy to chain him up. You don't have to listen to a guy to, 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 to push him off to the side. In fact, it's better off if you just don't. Jesus talked to him. Disciples are probably like, what are you doing, man? Stop talking to this guy. Like, come on. Let's just get out of here. Jesus talked and he, and he listened to him. Some of you here that maybe say, you know what, I, I, maybe not literally, but figuratively feel like this man, like say, all I want is somebody to listen to what's going on inside of me. And I want you to know, I want you to know, and all of us here at Crosspoint want you to know that by telling this story, whatever you experienced in the past with any church, I'm sorry, but I want you to see from this story, this isn't, that's not what the way Jesus wanted it to be. That Jesus wants to talk with you and to listen to you. That's what we call prayer. Prayer isn't intended to be this nice little flowery statement that we give in order to make ourselves look good. Prayer is supposed to be the groaning of our heart toward a God who, who is, has, is the only one who has the power to restore our heart and heal our heart. And we want to be a safe people to show you, to let you know that there's a God who will talk and listen to you by being a people who will just simply talk and simply listen to you. And Jesus also, what'd he do? He got the man's name and identity. Now, granted, he got the demon's name and identity, but he'll start with that. He'll meet you right where you're at. He'll start with, with however you view yourself. 
He'll start with that, but he refuses to leave you there. He wants to take where you are right now and the identity that you see yourself as and other people see yourself as and restore that back to the identity that he wants, to, wants you to have as a child of God, as a son of God, a daughter of God, a son of the king and a daughter of the king and the, all of the identity that goes along with that. And as somebody who is uniquely and creatively, creatively, made in his image for a purpose. He got the man's identity in his name. Now he got the demon's identity, but like I said, he he will meet you right where you are. Whatever identity you view yourself as, he'll take that, but he will also restore it back to where it is supposed to be. And lastly, what we see from Jesus is restoring credibility. What we see from him is this. There's no price too high to pay to restore people. No price too high to pay to restore people. Now, we're human, and we have to fight against this. We have to fight against us and, and our own comfort and our own safety and in order to say there's no price too high to pay to see people healed. But we want to be a people that push against being a people, a church who spends money and builds buildings and and does all of this for our own comfort but we do this and spend money and serve and use our time and use our gifts so there's no price too high to pay to see people healed The whole, this whole project is going to be $18,000. So that's, that's, that's not a price too high to pay to have an environment where people will be healed. That our time serving and tailgating and, 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 and working on the organization of the church and all of this, that, that you say there's no price too high to pay to see people be healed and restored. That ultimately, at the end of the day, every dime, every penny that's spent, sure, yeah, maybe some of it's on paper, some of it's to, to salary, some of it's on building, some of it's on, on, on direct mission work, but, but, but all of it ultimately is towards seeing people be that we're not spending the money on us. We're spending the money to see people be healed. There's no price too high to pay to see that. That's how Jesus acted and that's how he expects his body to act as well. And those of you that have struggled with church because you feel like people have given you false hope. All I want you to see is that you don't even have to believe us. We don't have to have credibility in your eyes. All we want you to see is that is not how Jesus acted. Jesus acted completely and utterly 180 from the false help. 
We just want to give you credibility or see Jesus with credibility in, 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 in your eyes. And we'll work on, on, on us. We'll work on us. The fisher of men part. The fisher of men. The, those of us that, that, that this whole Jesus thing is settled. And, and as, as he told Peter, I'm going to make you to be a fisher of men. What's that part? What happened to this guy? What happened to this guy? As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged. Interesting that begged keeps coming up in the story, isn't it? Begged to go with Jesus. Now, <clears throat> this guy would be a better disciple than all 12 of them probably combined. Okay? <laughs> Jesus probably been, should have been like, Thomas, out. <laughs> but Jesus said, no, 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 no. Go home to your family. Some of you, some of you have been ready for this all morning long because you know where, where we were headed with this, okay? No, go home with your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. This is Jesus' evangelism training. Some of you have gone through six, eight, 10, 12 week courses of evangelism training. Jesus did it in about 12 words. No, 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 no. Go home. Go to your family. Tell them everything that God has done for you and how he's shown you mercy. Mercy, pity with action. Feeling sorry for somebody and then acting on it. That's Jesus' evangelism training. That's all he wants you to know. How has he shown mercy on you? And what has he done in your life? That's it. Just saved you 12 weeks of your life. Okay? So the man started off to visit the 10 towns or the Decapolis of that region and began, began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And maybe we get to that and go, sure, this, there's no way this guy, there's no way this guy was able to be effective. How was this guy able to be effective? With his past, how was he able to be effective? And maybe we kind of ask ourselves that same thing. With my past, how can I ever be effective of telling people? Let's fast forward two chapters. Chapter 7. 731, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns, the Decapolis. A deaf man, deaf man was, with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people, I think Mark put that word in there, very, very intentional to connect this back to the first story. To connect chapter 7 back to chapter 5. Begged. The people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. When Jesus showed up, his only welcoming committee was a crazy, demon-possessed, naked man in the tombs. But when he came back, the people brought other people who needed a miracle to him. <clears throat> 
How effective was this man? Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. After, after he healed the man, Jesus was like, don't tell anybody this. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. The people who said, go away, when he came back, couldn't get enough. After the first of the year, we're going to look and see how Jesus trains people for the kingdom. And, and one of his strategies is to send one, two people, and then double back around and, and follow them into the region. Let them prime the prompt and, and then double back around and follow them into the region so that people were ready for him. This man, how effective was he? Because he didn't just tell his family, but he went to the ten towns. He primed the pump for revival in the area. Primed the pump for revival when Jesus came back. One man. And you know what? I think it was because of his past. He can't use me. My past is... Nobody will believe. I think it's because of our past that God ends up giving us credibility because of what he has done and the mercy that he has shown us in our life. This morning, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you like, you, you, you say, you know what, I'm more like the demon-possessed man. Uh, yeah, sure, okay, I don't have a legion of demons, but I have stuff that's tormenting me and I've never put my faith in Jesus and I want to know about this, this Jesus guy and, and how he can restore lives. We're going to have some people back in the back and all we want to do is be a people who will listen and who will pray with you and for you. For the rest of us, that, that that's kind of settled right now, we're doing good, worship the one who has restored your credibility. And also, also, pray, who, who do you want me to share my story with? The story that you have given me. He wants to restore our life. He wants to restore our credibility. The stuff that, that, is, that has destroyed our credibility, he wants to restore that so that that is actually the platform in which we stand on to show what Jesus will do for people's lives. Looks like we're revisiting last week's miracle. <laughs> Either that or that's just one gigantic bird. <laughs> Woo! Sesame Street. Sunny day. Anyway. Do you need somebody to pray with you? Otherwise, worship the one who restores. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this story that you restored this man, that you didn't treat him like the townspeople treated him. I, just, I pray, Lord, for, for our church, first of all, that, that we as a people will um, not act like the townspeople. That, we'll, we'll see, that, 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 that we see what, how you acted and that through the messiness and through the shrieking and the, <laughs> the, 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 the nakedness, the openness of, of, of dealing with 
what torments us that, 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 that we will stand in and act like you. I pray, Lord, for, for those of us that, 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 that need you, need your restoration, that we will seek that out this morning. And we'll ask you and, and come and talk that through. Lord, in this, in, in this time, restore lives, heal lives, heal credibility because of it. We thank you and we love you. To your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. You can subscribe to our daily blog at cpf.me.